Hello, I'm Meg Walker and welcome to My Kind of People. Join me as I speak to leaders and community members across the world who all share a passion for positive change. Each week we'll explore the power of community, leadership, passion and positivity and the beauty that can be created when these values come together. Each guest has been a big inspiration to me and I'm grateful to call them my kind of people. I hope they'll be yours too. I'm so excited for us all to connect really soon, but until then, I'm sending big love, good vibes and positive energy. Who are your kind of people? In this episode, I'm excited to introduce you to David Yim, a charity event runner and fundraiser. David, or Yimmy, as he is well known, is one of the most positive humans I know and dedicates so much of his spare time to fundraising for causes that are close to him. He continuously proves that whether he is directly involved in an event or not, he will still show up to cheer on everyone else. He has quickly become a well-loved member of the online Click Sergeant Young Lives vs Cancer community, and he has blessed so many people, myself included, with his leadership and friendship. He is welcoming, he is funny, and he is most definitely my kind of people. I can't wait for David to become your kind of person too. Welcome to the podcast, David Yim. Hey, thanks for having me on. You're so welcome. It's so good to have you on the podcast, my friend. And to start us off, Yimmy, can you give the listeners a little insight into how we met? Where did we cross paths? So so I think we crossed paths first on the Click Sergeant Facebook page, on the Click Sergeant Team Young Lives um, marathon team for 2018. I think you're right. I think it was way before I met you in person. It's quite a lot of the people that we meet on Click Sergeant, we meet <laughs> on the Facebook page. And what I got straight away was, you know, I, I meet people all the time as part of work and, and form teams, etc. And what I realized very, very quickly is that there were about four or five people who were central to that whole Facebook community. And you were right in the middle of it. Oh, bless you. So, so there, was, there was you and you know who the other characters are. <laughs> and, and, you know, we've all become friends over, over the years, which is just like part of the great thing. One of the, one of the great things about being part of such a great community is you meet like-minded people. So we met on that Facebook page and then we met after the 2018 marathon when you guys ran as <laughs> Ecto-6, if I remember rightly. Yes, uh, in, correct. In 2018 on the really, really hot one. Yeah, so I think we caught up the, again after the, the Royal Parks half. We actually ran the Royal Parks half together. One of our mutual friends came and actually stayed with me and talk about people coming to cheer you on. He wasn't even running and he came and stayed at my house and then came out and cheered us on. And then we all met up. We, I think we met the night before for a few drinks. And then since then, we've also been doing your quizzes, of course. So yes. thank you for including me as part of your community. Oh, you're so welcome. And it was so fun to have your kids involved as well. It really does show the power of community and how special that is. It's amazing that from meeting on an online platform, so many of us have been able to meet in person and cheer each other on. And we've had amazing people like Andy, come across the country to just to cheer us all on at the finish line of an event. It really is so special. And I think we've been much sweatier and smellier probably all of the times we have met in person. <laughs> Do you know what? It's really funny. I, I ran uh, the virtual marathon for the 40th race only three weeks ago with a teammate and I spent five and a half hours 
running next to somebody who I'd only met in person once, but again, also met through the Facebook team. And what was really funny was because um, we were, it was a virtual race and there was no support. I actually organized for a place to go and change and shower where we planned to finish our marathon route. And well sort thought. of, I got a, I got a, I organized this and, and then she went first and she got herself changed and sorted out into dry clothes. And I was sat waiting in a sort of waiting area. And she then came into the room. Now, bear in mind, I spent five and a half hours running next to this person. (laughs) She walked in. I didn't even recognize her. (laughs) Um, You know, when you meet people as part of a running community. And and, then actually the the key thing for me is, is when you meet people on a social media platform and then you meet them in real life and you actually find that you you feel like you've known this person for a long time because you've shared quite a lot of de- personal details about you know your life and your training and how you're getting on and your emotional state. So by the time you get to meet someone face to face, it's like it's it's like a magical moment. You feel like you've known this person. And there's a, maybe a little bit of physical awkwardness for the first yes. 10 <laughs> seconds. You don't know whether you're at the hug stage already yeah. <laughs> because you've spent any physical time with them. And But, but you realise very, very quickly that you know, you've built a bond with somebody regardless of the channel that you've used to build that bond. And that bond stays with you and you, you end up with some really, really good friends. Most definitely. And it really does show the positive impact that social media can have. Now, before we learn a little bit more about your fundraising work and your involvement in the running community, I would love for this community to learn more about you as a person. So where have you grown and flown? Where was your hometown and where would you consider home now? So funnily enough, I was born in Preston in Lancashire. Equidistance, here's a fact, it's equidistance between Liverpool and Manchester. Okay. So growing up in a northern town where we didn't support Preston North End as a football team, um, <laughs> sorry if anybody thinks it's a bad thing of me, being equidistant from Manchester to Li- and Liverpool, we had this big choice of which big club do you support? I won't say who I support, uh, but um, <laughs> my mother went out one year and bought us football kits for one of the big clubs, and it was a club my brother supported, but it was the opposite club to the one I supported. Oh, no. <laughs> how mortified I was to wear the wrong kit. <laughs> um, I came down to London when I went to uni. I studied, at, I studied economics at um, Queen Mary in London. Uh, and that's when I came down here when I was 19. And I've been here for 27 years. So London's now my home. It's where mm-hmm. I do all my training. It's where I love to run. Uh, it's where I've had my family. I've got two young boys, you know, one teenager and one sort of five-year-old. So, you know, <laughs> they, they keep me well entertained. Yeah, a real mix. Yeah. But uh, yeah, London's now my home. Beautiful. And you really do showcase your home. I love it when you go on your runs and you take all of these wonderful pictures of London at different times. You're very talented and I always enjoy seeing your photos. <laughs> well, if you, can, if you can share your passion for running with your passion for photography, and also my passion for eating as well. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the reasons why <laughs> one of the reasons why I run is because I like to eat. And so that motivates me to get out there. But I also love to take photographs as well. So my friends always joke with me to say, you know, Yimmy, you'd run a lot faster if you didn't stop every five minutes to take photos. And, you know, it might be the photo of the same place, you know, six times over, but actually the light's different or the time of the day is different or the weather is different and the people, et cetera. 
so yeah I like to just keep my eyes open and just see a bit of the world when I go for my runs Mm, I love that and it must be such a meditative activity to do where in your journey from Preston to London did you start to develop your passions in running and fundraising were you always passionate about running no, I, I, in fact, I used to hate running, right? When I was at high school, I had asthma. I grew up with asthma as a kid. And the two most you know, fearful hit school would normally be heard on a sports lesson at school, high school, around about November time when it was starting to get cold. And it was when the sports teacher would walk in and say, right, lads, today, cross country. Oh, no. Those two words, cross country, would strike fear into me because... I knew that I would always come last, for the, uh, which meant that you ended up with a cold shower because there was no hot water left. Oh. Um, so I, hate, I hated it. And that's because I was asthmatic and I was always at the back. I didn't really sort of get into running until I went to university. And my, you know, my girlfriend at the time was really mad into it. I mean, she would be grumpy if she didn't do her three miles a day. <laughs> so she'd, or she'd go and, and she got me to run my my first ever mile and she said you know what I could bet you I could get you to run a mile and she did that I I still remember it to this day and I run past the bench which marks a mile in Victoria Park and I still see that bench and I always think of that moment I ran my first mile and then sort of went through university ran on and off wasn't really serious about it and then in my first year of working for the firm that I work for now I joined the firm that I've been there for 24 years and time. um life just got busy yeah a long long time but really enjoyed it so and I, i'm still enjoying it now otherwise i'd go and do something else but um life then got in the way and i didn't run until i gave up running for about 17 years didn't run at all became quite unfit but 2013 when i was actually on a business trip in in new york and i felt uh really really hot and and humid and i just felt really fat and unfit and the sort of thoughts made me think about my dad, who also lives in the States, and he had type 2 diabetes from the age of 35. Right. And I had an, I had an epiphany at that moment to say, you know, Yumi, you cannot continue being like this. And you've just become, you know, a partner in the firm. And your lifestyle means that you're working long hours. You, mm-hmm. you deal with a lot of stress. You eat out a lot. And you eat irregularly. And you are just going to, this lifestyle is detrimental to your health. So I came back to London and the day I got back, I went straight into a large running shoe shop. Uh, it's a whole chain of shops. Yeah. And I said, um, I'm in real need. They fitted me out for a pair of shoes and I downloaded the Couch to 5K plan and then started doing my running again. Yes. So that's how I got back into it. And I remember a friend of mine saying to me, and I, I guess one of the things that sort of drives me a little bit is a little bit of competition. So I remember posting the fact that I just spent 200 <laughs> quid on, on a load of running gear. And my friend said, I, they saw you coming. <laughs> um, I, I bet you any money that, you know, in, th- in three weeks time, it'll be in a cupboard somewhere. And I thought, I'm going to prove you wrong. Good. So that spurred me on to actually do the whole Couch to 5K plan and then carry on running. And then I was going to do the, the London Marathon, grand ideas, thinking like mm-hmm. my, my running plateaued after about a year. And I never really got more than seven or eight K and yeah, but was relieved that I didn't get uh, the London Marathon place in 2015 because that was also the year my second son was born. Oh, okay. And the marathon was literally a week before his jeep. So you can imagine me <laughs> being on the wrong side of London and my wife in labour. That would not have been <laughs> so ideal. So consequently, 
no, that wouldn't have been ideal. And then I then applied to get a place. And I'll, I'll talk to you about how I got into the running for Click Sergeant in, in 2018. Amazing. And good for you as well. I think it's especially hard if you found yourself in a rut or even starting to run for the first time. Like you said, achieving that first mile must have been so satisfying, having not really run before, or in your case, having had such a negative running experience previously. That must have made it difficult to not only physically run a mile, but also having to mentally overcome your fear around running and the negative connotations you'd created around it from school. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I see the bench now and I also, I still smile. And it, that was literally the milestone, no pun intended. Yeah. And, the, and the, I think about there are four sorts of occasions, even now I think back over, over my life, in my running life. First milestone was that running my first mile and the satisfaction afterwards, because yeah. I've got to say at the time <laughs> it wasn't feeling great. No. Um, then there was, the, and, you know, and about a year after that, I ran all the way around Hyde Park. So Hyde Park was an interesting one. You know, my girlfriend at uni at the time who got me into running, she and I decided we were going to run around Hyde Park together. That seemed like a big park to run around. So we started walking in opposite directions. And the plan was I was going to walk in one direction. She was going to run in the opposite direction. And at the point where we met up, we both then run around the park to that point again. So she had a longer run and I would do the park once. And I remember that being a milestone for me. And then the next milestone wasn't until February 2018 when I ran the Winter 10K, which was my first ever event two months before the London Marathon. And that was super exciting. And then, of course, running the London Marathon in 2018, my first marathon was was a was a huge sort of like milestone for me. And it really sticks in the memory. Amazing. You should feel proud of that achievement. And what has running meant to you personally? Why do you think it is such an important contribution to the world? I think for me personally, there's a number of aspects to this, I guess. One is it tends to be a solo sport, you know, and it's great people. And I've only, you know, strangely enough, I've only just discovered this. Uh, and I'll talk to you about, you know, refinding my mojo from earlier this year, etc. But for the n- number of perspectives, number one, the solo aspect of this is is one of those where I can just zone out. And I find it's me time. Yes. And, and it, it feels a little bit selfish going out on a Sunday when, you know, the family are having to deal with whatever, you know, I, I have to say, my wife's very, very patient. I think, you know, people have footballers' widows and you people have runners' widows. Um, <laughs> and you're doing your sort of like three-hour-long run on a Sunday, then, you know, you, your family are left to their own devices. But I find it's really helpful me time, and especially with this year with COVID and lockdown, just finding that time to be away from the screen, being mm-hmm. out, getting fresh air, and then tying that in with the second thing, which is, you know, you say, why is running so good for the world? Because everyone can do it. Well, nearly everyone can do it. Anyone who's physically able can mm-hmm. run and for anyone who thinks they can't the 40th race this year we had one of our team who had a stress fracture and she she did the whole thing on crutches wow the whole thing mm-hmm. and she did it in six and a half hours right That's which is incredible. only like half an hour slower than I did it running in 2018 so you know it, it can be done and the other thing is it also offers opportunity for for me to get fit and feel healthy and have a healthier lifestyle 
and it promotes a sense of healthy lifestyle for my kids as well it sets a good example absolutely for my kids not to just sit in front of the tv and stuff for sure and why do you think it's been such a powerful tool for fundraising i mean people do different things for fundraising right and there are certain things that i can't do mm-hmm. right so there's two sports that i really really don't like right and i could mm-hmm. never do and meg that's why i tip my hat to you right <laughs> i hate riding a bike Okay. Yeah. Fair. Last bike I had was, was stolen in a garage. When I was 18 years old, right? oh, and no. I never bought another one. And the family have bikes now. I didn't bought one because I just don't like. I just find the seat so uncomfortable, you know. So I couldn't imagine doing an, an, a long event. And you know, great for anyone who, who loves to ride a bike. And you did the Prudential ride, I know, and I'm like <laughs> really impressive. And the other one that you like as well is swimming. And I. I just, I just really don't like swimming. Yeah. Funnily enough, I love doing scuba diving, but the hardest part about doing my paddy was actually doing that 200 meter swim, which damn near killed me. Yeah. But it was, you know, it's, I've never been a strong swimmer. I've never had the inclination to be a stronger swimmer. The thing with swimming is you've got to go somewhere to do it. Whereas running, I could open my front door and I can be out. I don't need to carry the, my bike through my house. I just put my trainers on, put on my kit, step outside my front door and I'm going. Yeah, it's interesting as I think because I've done a lot of triathlons now and they were pretty big ones, I think people automatically assume that I'm a really strong swimmer, but I honestly wasn't. I have two older brothers and I wanted to do everything they were doing growing up. So I first learned that I could swim or at least hold my own in the water from just jumping (laughs) straight in after them, much to my parents' panic. I did not want to be left behind for anything. But other than that, I had some basic swimming lessons at school, but I've never gone back to perfect my technique. However, I decided that I wanted to give a triathlon a go, as some friends had been saying for a few years that they thought I'd find them fun. So I decided to give it a go, but standard me, instead of just signing up for a small one, I'd found myself signing up for an Olympic distance, which requires a one mile or more swim, and I'd never swam outdoors before. And that's something you can't really fake, you know, because if you get the swimming wrong, then you're not swimming, you're drowning. So I really knew I had to take it seriously and that I would definitely have to practice and get better. So that's something I put a lot of time into. I really wasn't previously a strong swimmer. I was just someone who liked to leisurely swim in a pool on holiday. So I hope that can inspire anyone who is maybe on the fence about doing similar events because they are nervous about a certain part of the race. You really can improve if you're willing to put the working. I wouldn't say swimming was a favourite sport, but I've put a lot of time into making sure I can hold my own in the water. And that's made the experience so much more enjoyable. Because in these sort of events, it's not just about being able to swim or swim a certain distance. You've got to be able to swim amongst a lot of people in an event where they might be very sure of themselves and it can get rough and there are a lot of limbs flying about. I see it. it's crazy I, I watch it on tv and I go I admire anyone who could do it and you know my technique and I think you've alluded to it already is is I don't swim I stop myself from drowning yeah uh, and <laughs> arms flailing you know not making much progress but in terms of fundraising through running I think it's simple to do because there are so many events which people look up to and people respect the distance so the marathon is is obviously such a big event it's the world's the largest single day fundraising event 
event. Yes. And it does so much for charity and it is such high profile. Everyone knows it because it appears on the BBC and it has been broadcast since they started it, you know, 40 years ago. So people go, okay, you're going to run the London Marathon and people respect that as a, as a big event. A lot of people participate in and it gives you a natural profile anyway, so that because people are so aware of the event and they know how far it is, it then becomes an easy way of advertising that you're doing something that's quite significant. So actually doing fundraising off the back of it becomes a lot easier. You know, if you're doing a triathlon in some faraway country somewhere, or even my friend, you know, he does ultras in mm-hmm. like places like Utah, yeah. hundred mile unsupported runs where he's got to carry all his stuff with him. Incredible. And that's a much bigger feat than the marathon, but because there's zero profile about him, people don't know it. It's much harder to fundraise because, you know, the, the people are generally aware of the big events like mm-hmm. the Abbott majors, the, the major city marathons those events already have that profile so it's you know why not take advantage of that profile as part of your fundraising yeah and I think you're right as well even with the simplicities of running of just putting your running shoes on and off you go whereas with triathlons there is so much stuff to remember (laughs) you have to bring your bike along and your helmet That's often the bit I actually find the most difficult. People will applaud me for the distance, but I'm like, it's been a journey just to get to the start, I'll tell (laughs) you. I feel like I'm packing to go on holiday. I'm used to just putting my running shoes on and off I go. I think you talk about a journey and I think that that is like something that a lot of people miss. And, you know, in my fundraising, I certainly like to tell the story of the journey that I'm going on. You know, you you can send out an email saying, you know, I'm running the London Marathon and everyone goes, oh, tell us when it is. But what they don't realize, and and I think you've posted on this before, and I remember you posting on this saying, don't forget that when you run the marathon tomorrow, it's your victory lap. What people don't appreciate is there's months and months of sacrifice of going out there when it's raining, when it's windy, when it's snowing, when it's dark sometimes when it's sunny Um, (laughs) and all of that commitment that goes into it week in week out for months on end before you actually get to marathon day I think telling that story is important because otherwise people don't realize it's not a case of I wake up on the 26th of April or whatever the date is that year I'm just going to pull on a pair of running shoes and I can run 26 miles it doesn't work that way yes you're so right there and it's things like you said missing a big part of your Sunday and spending time with the kids because you are out running in all kinds of weather on your own because you want to do your best on marathon day and you may well be representing a charity Oh, totally, totally. And it's, it's not only your best. I mean, the thing that motivates me the most is actually, you know, I think about all those dark days where my body doesn't want to cooperate. I'm mm-hmm. tired. I've had a tough week at work. The weather's grim. And yet the plan says you've got to run 22 kilometers today. And those are the times when I really think about people who have sponsored me, the people I'm going to help. Mm-hmm. And what really drives me more than anything else, and it's, this comes through in my work, at home or with my charity work is around helping other people. I think we have an innate need as humans to be one, to be part of a community and part of something. Yeah. And two, to be able to help others uh, in some way. And that's what really drives me. There's some people who want to do this for bling. And I say that because you know, there's a lot of <laughs> bling behind me, but it's not, it's not that for me, it's first and foremost, it's actually 
to raise money for an amazing charity about when you actually go and see the impact of what the charity does with the money that you raise. So I went to Paul House and I saw firsthand what real impact the work that Click Sergeant does has on families' lives. It really sort of brings it home to you. And, and that's what really motivates me. And that's what I think about when it gets hard, whether I'm a mile in into a short run and I'm not, just not feeling it. Or I'm 10 miles into a half marathon and I'm thinking like, oh my God, this is hard today. And I think about the work and the impact that Click Sergeant has. And this is why I'm doing this. That's the stuff that really keeps me going. Definitely. And you mentioned Paul's house, which is one of Click Sergeant's homes away from home. So for anyone listening who is unfamiliar with this service, quite often when a young adult is diagnosed with cancer, they will have to travel to go and get treatment. And more often than not, it is usually at a facility that is miles from their own home. So if you imagine a young person not only has to deal with the fear of having received this diagnosis and the fear around having treatment, but they then also have to travel miles and miles away from their family. It's a horrible position to be in. So Click Sergeant have created homes away from home across the UK, which allows families to stay together and live closer to the treatment facility whilst their loved one is receiving treatment. And it truly is a life-changing service for so many young people and their families. And that's incredible that you've been able to see that firsthand. So they sent me an email after the 2018 marathon and they invited me to go down to go and see Paul House and the work that they do. And I just jumped at the chance. I took the morning off work and I went to go and see for myself. Even now, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy in terms of, you know, the level of care and thought that's gone into mm-hmm. the facility from just having basics there, like, you know, uh, toiletries there, just so that families who have literally been told your child or your, the young adult has to go straight into treatment and you, you don't even have time to go home and pack a bag. Gosh. You know, that's how that's how urgent this is. And, and you arrive there and they try and make life as easy as possible for the family. You know, they don't want to be worrying about where they're going to stay. Are they going to be warm? You know, how am I going to get access to food, et cetera, et cetera. It's all there and it's all designed around the family. And seeing that firsthand just might made me think, do you know what? I'm going to find it difficult to go and do charity work for anybody else because yeah. I can see just how impactful just going to poor houses. So I'd say anybody who's raising money for charity, go and see firsthand the work that these charities do, if you can, because that's really inspiring. Yeah, it's such a good message. And did you have anyone or any causes that inspired you when you were growing up? Were you a particular fan of anyone in the sporting world? No, I mean, I wasn't a big sports person, to be honest with you. I mean, that's because of my, as I said, I had childhood asthma. The only sport I watched in life has been Formula One. One guy sits in a car and drives us for two hours. You know, there's a lot of physical preparation goes and the drivers do to get match fit to drive the car. But at the end of the day, it's not really a team sport. So I wasn't really a sporty person. I wasn't really inspired by sports when I was growing up. Do you think that was due to your asthma? Do you think that a lot of sports seemed inaccessible to you? Exactly that. It was precisely that. I was rubbish at swimming because I was scared of drowning. I was scared of drowning because, you know, when you've had an asthma attack and you're doubled up on the floor gasping for breath, you know, you have this fear of not being able to breathe and drowning is basically not being able to breathe. So, you know, consequently, I hated swimming. Yeah, it was really scary stuff, actually, when I was growing up. And so sports feet felt like a bit inaccessible. The only time I really watched sport was the Olympics. 
yeah. every four years and I'd be inspired by all these people and you watch the marathon when they used to run the marathon on every single Olympics and you think wow that's a long way and I remember <laughs> seeing Paula Paula Radcliffe in Athens and just think wow you know these athletes this is like you know marathon's a serious distance so I never thought I would <laughs> I never thought I would move my body 26 miles yeah <laughs> the distance that some of these athletes have run yeah, that's amazing. And Paula Radcliffe is someone who was a huge inspiration to me growing up. I'm 27 and I've never known life without the London Marathon. I remember growing up watching it on the TV and it seemed almost like a movie because it was on the TV. It seemed like it was something that was inaccessible to me. And like you said, it was such a long way to run. I used to think, and I still do, to be honest, that anyone running the marathon is a superhero. I was like, wow, they're doing this super distance. And Paula Radcliffe was such an idol of mine. And I will never forget in 2016 when I first ran the London Marathon and you run around the corner of Buckingham Palace and you see the gold statue. And I'd seen that iconic moment I don't know how many times as a little girl on the TV and I felt like I was in a movie when I rounded the corner myself. I just remember feeling goosebumps and that I felt so overwhelmed that I was having that moment for myself. I do all of my races for charity but I remember that particular moment being very special for me personally. That was a real Meg moment. Do you know, I, I think everyone feels the same when they see that gantry that says 385 yards to go. Yeah. And I remember I did a recommendation that was made to me was to dedicate a mile on your marathon to somebody who helped you mm -hmm. or inspired you on your marathon journey. So I had 26 people. I wrote the list down and, and I sort of kept it on my phone. But what I also did was I recorded a video and actually vocalize that and you talk about self-motivation and stuff and I could have just thought yeah this mile is for such and such and I'm running it for them but recording a video and actually saying I am going to record this video and I said look you know George the little boy that I ran for I did dedicated mile 25 to him and I was really really sore and you could see it on my face in the video and even though as I watch it back now I think oh Yimmy you look really tired <laughs> and you look like you're about to give up but just vocalizing it made me think really brought it into sharp focus in terms of somebody has had a lot worse time than you mm -hmm. in life and they've been through hardship and struggle that you wouldn't even come close to hopefully mm -hmm. and yes you're in pain and you're feeling it now but it's only a temporary thing but when I got to that 385 yards to go exactly as you say you see the gantry you see Queen Victoria and I, I actually gave the last 385 to myself and Good, you yes. know this is for me and running down that mile I've got the I've got to see the, my finisher's photo in front of me on the other wall there and I'm smiling and it belies the effort that went into the 26 miles that came before yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> oh I love that Yimmy that's so special and why shouldn't you you know you've done this incredible thing and that must have been such a proud moment what a journey from hating cross-country to completing your first mile benchmarker, to then running the London Marathon. What a special moment that must have been to cross that finish line and have that for yourself. I love that. Did you have any other people not in the sporting world then that inspired you growing up? 
Well, I think that I was always inspired by by business, and I grew up in the seventies and eighties. So I always took inspiration from. I always wanted to go and work in business. So you know, lots of business figures throughout my life, and and actually, I put this up to show you this on that screen at some point. I actually got to meet one of my real heroes. Oh wow! So Richard Branson, um, who I met a few years ago, and actually, it was just that was when I was at my biggest and heaviest and mm. most unhealthy just literally a few months before I started running and I look back on that now and I say yeah I met one of my business heroes but actually you know the people I've met since then have actually inspired me as a person as much as some of these public figures have inspired me through growing up and shaped my my sort of thinking around my career but actually the people I've met now through the charity that I'm working with and you and I both do fundraising for Click Sargent they're the people that be to a better person, really, and have you know a broader perspective on life. Uh, and, and it's one of the reasons why I think everyone should get involved in some fundraising in some way. Absolutely. And I couldn't have said it better myself. The amount of people you meet through charities like Click Sergeant and just the positive energy they have and the strength in some of the worst situations, it's just unfathomable in some ways and so inspiring. And we've both certainly caught a bit of a running bug since we first started fundraising for Click Sergeant, haven't we? And we've been so lucky to run in major sporting events, including thousands of people, like the London Marathon, which we've been talking about. And one of the things I absolutely love about the London Marathon is that I think it's extremely inclusive and it celebrates every kind of runner from first-time charity runners to elite athletes. You know, it really does celebrate every runner from every background. People like you and me who aren't athletes or runners, we just got into it for a good cause or maybe for personal reasons. Do you think there are any misconceptions when it comes to running and how this is advertised? Well, you've got me onto a subject where I can I can talk for hours. <laughs> I think that Many people have this misconception that running is only for really fit people. Where I run around Greenwich and I see people, start of the year, I, I see the few people who've you know made a New Year's resolution. And I make an effort to give everyone a thumbs up or a little wave and in the past a high five. No matter how fast or slow they're going, if I pass somebody who looks like they've got really poor technique and brand new shoes, usually just after the 1st of January, I turn around, I give them a smile and I give them a thumbs up and I give them a bit of a fist bump to say, good for you to get out there. And, and I think that there is this view that running is quite an elitist thing, that you have to be really fit and you've got to be an athlete to do it. And that's just wrong because anyone can do it. And I think the other thing is we talk about the community we have on Facebook and it's one of my, I never expected it to be such a big part of my life. It gives me a, a, a place where I can, I can seek inspiration from people and also validation for what I'm doing as well. But also, you know, hopefully gives me opportunity to, to inspire some other people as well if they're struggling or to congratulate someone if they're doing really, really well to help build up the confidence of the people who are struggling a little bit and I've had that too this year where halfway through the year you know in July we had no news about whether the marathon was going ahead virtual or otherwise and I remember the run I was on and I just like that I lost my running mojo and I stopped and I almost threw my running watch in the bin and and I walked home and I sort of like 
gritted teeth sort of thing, thinking like, why am I doing this? I've just suddenly I don't want to be doing this anymore. And I got in the, t- in the car and I texted one of the teammates who I'm friends with. And I went, I just don't want to do this anymore. I've totally lost it. And I spent 25 minutes sat in the car texting backwards and forwards with Emily. I don't, I don't suppose she, she might mind me mentioning her. And she just really, really helped me to sort of take a step back, empathised helped me to take a step back look at the bigger picture and stop being so hard on myself and that yeah. level of you know friendship and inclusivity and support really you know has a plays a big part in my life and actually could play a big part in lots of people's lives and that's one of the positive outcomes of things like social media where you meet mm-hmm. people I think speaking of misconceptions you know people thinking that you know running is only for athletes and for really fit people social media there's lots of positive social media and I've just talked about making new friends and having a sense of community. What really upsets me, and I don't want to be unnecessarily controversial here, but, you know, I see the London Marathon post stuff on their Facebook page or Instagram, and half of the comments on there are really positive, likes, Mm -hmm. you know, this is great, looking forward to it, super excited about it. Then there are a load of other people who are just, I don't know why, they just get on there and just gripe about the fact that they've applied so many times for the ballot, they haven't got a place, and it's become, you know, too many charity runners, and all this sort of stuff. And and it really upsets me. And I've posted a few times saying, you know, somebody's posted recently, and I've tried 11 times now and not good luck, sort of being really grumpy. And I've just gone, well, if you want to run it so much, why don't you run it for a charity? There are 1000s of charities who need the help and support of what London Marathon can do and the platform that the London Marathon provides for charities and so if you're that passionate about running and you know have some care for whether it's other humans children (laughs) dogs cats whatever you know and as my wife wisely says you know there's a charity for everyone out humans or animals (laughs) and if you if you like humans or animals then you can find a charity that suits you so why don't you you know rather than putting all your energy into negativity and spreading negativity negativity on social media put the same amount of energy into fundraising into supporting a cause that you're passionate about what a positive change that would have on the world oh yes I'm so glad you said that it's such a good point and it's something that's made me so so proud to run the London Marathon not only because it's my city but I think they really have worked so hard to be inclusive even with the wheelchair event as well I find that just as exciting and I think it's just as much part of the main event. It shows that a marathon really can be accessible to so many people and there's nothing I find more exciting than to see all of the charity vests on marathon day. I also want to make it clear that there are also elite runners and other runners that do run for time and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I'm always so impressed. I'm usually about halfway round and I see all these spring chickens running the other way. It makes me think, oh great, there must be a turn in a minute because they can't possibly be at 22 miles and be running with that much of a spring in their step. But I'm usually very surprised when I found out that nope, they are in fact that springy at 22 miles. But I think that's what makes the event so special. Running can mean so many different things to everyone. Do you know what? And, I, and every time I see negative comments and I, I'm having a day where I think, you know, I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to challenge some people's thinking here. And I go on there and I'm feeling a bit brave. I hold back until I see where somebody's being really, really negative. And I say, you don't forget, this is what Disley Embrasure wanted to do. 
it was their original intent. Go on to the, the London Marathon website, click on their values and look at what their values are. This is the purpose of the marathon. And I know there are other marathon across the world where it's more of the race and it's less about charity. But as I said before, Meg, and as you know, you know, the London Marathon is the biggest single day fundraising event in the world. You know, raised over a billion for charities so far since its inception and raises 60 odd million every year, which is why this year in particular with COVID-19, it's been a real challenge for a lot of these charities. And so we all need to carry on and doing, you know, do our bit. And I've been saying to a lot of people, don't let COVID-19 define your 2020. Let the work that you do, the charities that you support, the marathons or events that you run, whatever it is you do, let that define your year. Because that's a positive thing, whereas too many people moaning about how difficult life in lockdown is. And as you know, the family of the, the child that inspired me to run for Click Sergeant in the first place, saying, we've been in lockdown for the last three and a half years. You live with a child who's got leukemia and they are highly at risk of infection and you basically have to make sure your house is clinically clean you don't have time to go to work because you you have to look after a sick child that's life in lockdown and people are complaining that they have to stay at home and can't go out and have a social life etc just think about there are a lot of people who are a lot worse off than you and that's again it's the sort of thing that i think about and this is the reason why i think a lot of people should a lot more people should get involved in charity work because if you get involved in charity work and that's all to do some good somewhere to somebody who is disadvantaged you know whether it's humans or or animals who are you know at risk or disadvantaged then you get to see a slightly different perspective on life absolutely and empathy is so important 2020 had been an unexpected year and it has certainly brought its challenges but I also think it's been a phenomenally positive year in terms of the growth that it has brought the empathy that it has created and I think with challenges comes growth it might not have been the year we wanted it has been an extremely difficult year for many and it has involved a lot of loss as well And I can't imagine some of the experiences that people have had. But I also think the year has hopefully brought a lot of empathy. It's realigned our values and made us remember how important it is to connect with others and value others. I'd like to think that. And certainly in the summer, I felt that. And I thought there's a real opportunity here for humankind. And I know it sounds all very large scale and grandiose statement to make, Meg, but, but, you know, the fact that we were standing out on the doorstep on the Thursday, clapping the NHS, and I thought, well, there's a sense of community. With two other neighbours, I set up our local street community, SAP group, and there have been a few cases where somebody's needed something. That's gone from one community for one purpose, and actually it's brought people closer together. And, you know, why not use that? Definitely. And the innovation this year has just been incredible and something really beautiful to witness, I think. And it's something that I feel so privileged to have experienced, especially in an event like the London Marathon, where it truly is a celebration that day. Not only with the variety of people running it, where you see every kind of person from so many different backgrounds and with all different levels of ability, but also the people that are turning up to support. It's hard not to feel like a superhero when you've got people who have no idea who you are, 
shouting your name and saying well done and cheering you on. And I really do think it's such a beautiful demonstration of humanity at its best. And it demonstrates what we are all capable of. You know what? This whole running and giving you perspective is, you know, having run the marathon in 18 and it was the hot one. I mean, I struggled. I don't know how you managed to stay in a vehicle with six, (laughs) you know, know, the six of you with five other people. In a fake car. In a fake car, carrying this thing on your shoulders, all having to run at a continuous pace together. And then that is what I find mind-blowingly impressive, right? I mean, I hit the wall at at 20 miles and I was really struggling. And I remember the last 10 kilometers, I was literally carried by the crowd. And it's true in terms of what the marathon sort of mantra is, the 10-10-10 rule. You run the first 10 with your head i.e. Mm-hmm. you pace yourself yeah. properly you run the next 10 miles with your training because that's what mm-hmm. your body's trained to do and you last run the last 10 kilometers with your heart and, and you so run different. it with, with the support of the crowd lifting and carrying you so it's why in 2019 when I had the stress fracture I felt like I really needed to come out and support the team because I knew how much it meant to me in 2018 and how the crowd lifted and carried me so I felt like a real sense of duty to give back, actually, and come back and support the runners, which is why I came out. What I'd actually discovered, Meg, was standing outside and supporting and then racing the team across London on public transport on Marathon Day is actually harder <laughs> than, yes, running, I agree. than running the marathon itself. <laughs> no, I supported the exact same year as you. And like you mentioned earlier, the year before, myself and five other teammates had run as the Ghostbusters in a big car costume for charity and we completed that in 2018 so in 2019 I just came to watch like yourself and I found myself feeling more tired and exhausted than when I was running the year before in a massive costume so I have so much appreciation for anyone who comes to support that is a tiring role. Absolutely. And, and an essential role. And it's when you realize how much goes in by the Click Sergeant team mm-hmm. and the rest of the charities who have those cheer stations will be the same. And you have a newfound appreciation for what it's like. I actually came home and said to my wife that I'm knackered. I don't know how you managed to get round and see <laughs> me in four different places last year with, you know, with my youngest in a pram. And you managed to get across town and cheer me on. And it meant a great deal to me. And so even now when I'm not running events, I couldn't run the big half earlier this year, but I knew it came right past my office. So I stood outside in the cold and cheered everybody oh, on amazing. as they ran past. Good for you. That's so kind. Earlier, we were discussing Click Sergeant. And one of the many things I love about the Click Sergeant community is that it's made up of people from all different backgrounds and experiences. Some people have been helped by the charity personally, and then others just really admire the work they do and wanted to help them. Why did you decide to run for Click Sergeant? It's a great question, actually. Uh, I'm glad you asked me because, as I mentioned, my running sort of plateaued in 15 and I didn't really do much with it. And I was hoping to run the marathon. I put in for the ballot and I didn't get a place. It was in 2017, my friends from school I've known Richard, I've known him since my second year at high school when we were in the school choir together. (laughs) So this is how long I've known this guy. And the the little boy who was four at the time was diagnosed with leukemia. 
And I remember only three days before he was diagnosed, we were up in Preston and we were spending some time with some friends in my hometown. And I'd just seen them. And I remember driving away from their house and their little boy was playing with my eldest and they were having a really, really great time. And I just remember how sad he, he looked as I was leaving the house and we had to go back to London. And, mm-hmm. you know, he wanted the little boys wanted, wanted to carry on playing. Uh, and then three days later, I heard this devastating news that he had leukemia. And I'd been playing with the idea of running a marathon since 2015. And it really jolted me into action. And and I couldn't be there for them to support them physically and emotionally being so far away. So I actually rang Richard one day and said, can you tell me which charity has helped you the most during this whole illness? And they said, hands down, Click Sergeant. And I said, who? <laughs> and they said, Click Sergeant. I had to go and look them up and find out. And the more I looked them up, the more I found out about them, the more I wanted to go, well, this is because the the other option was the easy option would have been to go children with cancer or one of the big cancer charities, right? You know, um, Cancer Research UK, but they're massive charities. And, you know, I thought, actually, I want to work for a smaller charity where I can make a bigger impact. Absolutely. And what's so special about Click Sergeant as well is that they don't help directly with the treatment itself. But what a lot of people don't realise is that the physical cancer is just one part of it. But the other side of it is the devastating impact it can have on the rest of their lives. It puts a halt to their families' lives. It can put a halt on them going to school. There's all the paperwork that comes with it. And understanding the treatment so they really are such an important support to helping the young person and their families in areas around their health and the affirmations you're absolutely right I'm glad you mentioned all of that because when I started finding out about the emotional you know the social workers who provide some the emotional support the, the homes away from home and even where they don't have homes in those cities they arrange for accommodation they help with grants help with financial support mm-hmm. So it's the whole package support the family rather than just trying to treat the individual where there's lots of cancer charities looking into medicines, etc. But this is a real impact on the family life. And, and what really sort of brought it home for me and really affirmed for me that I should run for this charity was when my team members, and I didn't realize this until Richard had mentioned to me about Click Sergeant, one of my team who joined me as a graduate delayed his start date joining my team by a year young guy just mm-hmm. about to graduate and well he's graduating and he had a rare form of testicular cancer and that had a massive impact on his life and as a young adult and as you say it's all about paperwork etc and click really supported him and he took a year out did his treatment and joined me a year later then I found out that he came up to me and asked me that he was supporting this charity. He speaks out a lot about teenage cancer and young people, young adults with cancer. And he asked me today for permission as his employer to whether or not he could take on a, a voluntary charity trustee position outside of work. And I didn't realize at the time that he wanted to become a trustee of Click Sergeant. So he is now a trustee of Click Sergeant. Incredible. We smile about it now because we go, wow, you know, there's the connection for you. Yeah, that's amazing. And Click Sergeant really have created such a beautiful and inspiring community of fundraisers and supporters that we've both been fortunate enough to be a part of. In particular, their online Facebook community. 
Could you tell the listeners a little bit more about the Click Sergeant Runners Group and the positive impact that this has had on you? What do you think makes that community so special? So, I mean, that's where we met on the Click Sergeant Facebook page. And they set one up for each class or each year they have the marathon team. They set up a dedicated Facebook page and they go on their journeys together. And it's just shared experience. And I think that's why it makes it special. And there will always be a couple of people who have been the veterans uh, <laughs> who join the team. So this year, I think Andy and I were the first two people. Both massive champions of others, yes. You know, Andy more, more so than I am. He's, he's a fundraising machine like you are. Yes, Andy Sharp. Andy Sharpie. Um, <laughs> and he's an absolute legend. And I remember there was about, only about 40 people on it. And Andy was like, okay, so come on, everyone, let's introduce ourselves. And people joining the group would quite quickly see that we were very active at the beginning. And it was all about support and establishing the tone of this is about friendship. It's about shared experience. It's about supporting each other. Let's face it. I mean, I wrote this little poem that I posted to the, the Click Sergeant team. One of the lines in the poem was, you've bored your family with talk of pace, distance and speed. Your real life world friends and family around you soon get bored of all your yeah, marathon talk. Absolutely. They're not interested how far you've run now. It's like, when's the roast going in the oven? Yeah. The family's hungry. So, so the Facebook page is brilliant because it brings people who've got a common goal, who are varying backgrounds, varying fitness. Some are seasoned runners, some are just first timers and they're petrified excited at the same time and it brings a forum and a platform for people to share their thinking their ideas their fears their concerns their excitement their positivity their doubts their tips whatever it is all the things that make up good community and it provides a channel for doing that it's almost I know that Click Sergeant monitor every day and there's very little moderation goes on it. And then, of course, you know, there are other, they have a Click Sergeant Sporting Legends page as well, mm-hmm. which is people who have run or performed other events, cycling events or swimming events or whatever. And they bring that community of people together to try and promote an, a sense of community after the event has happened. Because as you know, there's often some closure following an event and some people only want to do it once and then you never hear from them again. But the way that Click have actually set up another page, which is stay in touch and meet other like-minded people who might not be runners, but they're cyclists, but they've raised loads of money. And I find that's incredible. And of course, there's the page that, you know, that was started by Click Runners, I think it was your year. Yeah, 2016. We were so lucky. That was such a positive group of people. And we've managed to keep that page open even and welcome more people to that community. Just because there is such a big sense of love and support there and encouragement for anyone who wants to make a positive change. Uh, totally. And the people I've had conversations with people on that page who I've never met in real life. You know, I'm fortunate to have met you and to have met people like Gary, to have met mm-hmm. Sharpie, and now mm-hmm. this year, and Emily and Simon and, you know, Simon or Shrek. I went and did my first trail run with him. Amazing. Week, right. And it's about new experiences, about new friendships. And that's for me, that's why I think the digital community that we have on the Facebook page is just so important. I get a lot out of it when I'm not feeling up to running and I look and I go, such and such has run 10 miles today. And I go, I better get my shoes on. They've not been feeling well, yet they've done this. And the person I ran the, the marathon this year with Jackie, there's one post that she said, you know, I've got a teething toddler. I've had hardly any sleep. 
And then she's gone and banged out 20 kilometers. I'm thinking, like, I'm just not feeling up to it. I'm thinking, I better get my shoes on and get out there. Yeah, it's really motivating. Yeah, motivate. And, and, and the reverse is true of somebody saying, you know, I remember somebody posting, just not feeling it today. And I went, hang on, sun's shining. It's not overly hot. There's no, there's a little gentle breeze. The running conditions are perfect. It's having the EQ to go, somebody needs a bit of a, a virtual hug. Yes. Sometimes somebody needs a virtual kick in the pants. Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Yeah, and all from a place of love. What has that community taught you? I think that if there's any message I want to leave with people, it's the whole, the mnemonic, I can never say that word. Mm -hmm. The mnemonic, which is think. So when you're posting on social media, there's so much negativity knocking around. I think that, you know, I always think to myself, if you're going to post something and you're going to make some comments or you're going to give somebody advice, things I think about, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it really necessary? Do you have to say it? And most of all, it's on your t-shirt. Is it kind? Yes, I've got be kind on my t-shirt. Because there's so much negativity around already and especially on social media. And there's a lot of, well, I don't like using the word the haters, but it's true, they they exist, right? So I always think, okay, well, can I use a social media platform to help promote positivity and Mm -hmm. encourage people? And if you've got time to actually do that and if you're going to make time to do that, then make it impactful for people. Put it in a way that people can relate to. And that's all I aim to do is share experiences where people can relate think okay well if you've managed to overcome this there is a way through this you might not be able to see it right now and a challenge feels immense but you can actually get there as well which I think is really important it's so important and I love that think it's such an easy one to remember and you're right we have these platforms like social media now that can bring us all together if we use the tools wisely And I always try and sit back and think to myself, how is this serving me? And how is this serving others? And is it serving me and others positively? If not, how can I change things around? I think that's such an important message. So thank you for articulating that so beautifully. How would you like to see the running community develop in the future? And how do you think we can continue to make those spaces feel more inclusive? I think that this is a big question is down to leadership, Meg. And there's different forms of leadership. You can be appointed as a leader. You can Mm -hmm. be a leader through being a senior person at work, et cetera. But I think with this community, I think it's about leadership through behavior. And you talked about privilege earlier on, and it is a real privilege to be part of this community, and not from a sense of you know, any elitism, but I think why it is a privilege is because we meet people who are like-minded, who want to be inclusive and who want to open up community to others and support others in helping them achieve their goals as well. And I think that the way that we can behave to keep this inclusive is really go out and promote this sense of community to others and invite them in to join so I see people and people often ask me so what do you want to get out of this and I say okay well there's obviously there's this personal sense of satisfaction as well as health benefits of me running but if I could get just one person to lace up join a community get involved and get one person to get involved in fundraising and actually opening them up to seeing a broader perspective on different parts of different walks of life, then that's great. And, and you see it. We are a great leveler. 
there's no concept of a hierarchy or who does what on these groups, as you know. Everyone's equal, and it doesn't matter what someone does for a living. There's no arrogance of people and egos left at the door because the main thing here is that we're doing this for charity. And yes, there is a bit of sense of competitiveness in terms of how far someone's run or what pace they're doing. But for me, you take out of that what you need. And for me, I see somebody running 30 kilometers and I've only done 28 and I think, actually, I need to do better. But I don't beat myself up for the fact that I've only done 28. And there'll be always be somebody... And, and I try to do this for others who will post on there, you've done 28 kilometers. Don't forget the fact that they've done 30. Exactly. There's always going to be somebody who's done more than you or faster than you or longer than you or further than you or whatever. It's, it's what you've achieved. And it's helping people to identify and celebrate that. And if you had people in this community that is so supportive of each other, why wouldn't you open it up to other people? I love that. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. And I've always thought that envy and jealousy, they don't serve you, those two things. They're these negative ideas where you are wanting something else that someone has, but that doesn't actually achieve anything. It doesn't do anything for you other than cause more negativity. But if you can aspire and be inspired... Well, those things are so powerful. Instead of being jealous and envious, I like to think, gosh, how inspiring is that person? What are they doing that is so positive that I would like to aspire to do that? And how can I do that? And that thinking completely flips it on its head. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, I'm literally, you know, my hairs on my neck are standing up on end as you say that and the reason why is because often you can't control your emotions you will feel upset you can feel sad it's okay to feel sad it's okay actually to feel envious and jealous if you can channel that energy that comes from the emotion into something that is constructive and positive and instead of me griping about it and feel envious try congratulating that person first Let's be kind, right? And if you're feeling jealous of them, it's because they've done something you feel you can't do or they've got something you feel you can't have, but you can actually work harder to get to it. So if you could channel the energy that you feel from the emotion, and it could be a negative emotion, but you, you have a choice. If you can choose to positively channel that energy into some action or some plan that you can then execute to achieve something greater then that has got to be a positive thing but everybody has a choice around yes. this yes i completely agree we can all make that choice thank you for explaining that so well and as we are talking about positive energy and how we can channel that what advice would you give to anyone else who is thinking about taking up running or maybe starting a new challenge for charity I think the first thing is get involved and break the mental barrier first and foremost to actually commit to doing it. And then the second thing is commit to doing it. There's no more commitment than when you tell the world you are doing it. I have to admit, I got a place in May 2017 for the marathon in 2018. So I knew, but I did not tell anyone I was doing it until two weeks before Christmas. And looking back on it now, I go, Yimmy, that's crazy, right? Because you wasted six, seven months worth of fundraising opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I'll be really honest with you. 
I'm always honest with people who ask me about this. And I say, it's because I didn't believe I could actually do it mm-hmm. until early December. And I wasn't willing to make a fool of myself mm-hmm. by saying, I'm going to go and do something and then actually not be able to do it. But what telling the world that I was going to run the marathon did for me was it gave me some serious focus because it it meant, hey, you know what, you've told everyone you're doing this. And if I make a promise to somebody, I usually do it. And I thought now I'm fully committed. And it was scary as anything when I sent out that first email. And I fully expected a lot of people to be laughing, to be honest with you. People won't be able to see what I look like, but I'm five foot three I'm 11 and a half stone. So I'm clinically obese and I sit behind a desk for most of my working Mm -hmm. life. I fully expected, and I did get a bit of banter, which was like, Yimmy, you've got short legs, so you're going to have to take twice as many steps. And I turn around to that and say, well, maybe you should sponsor me twice the amount because I'm going to have to put in twice the effort. You can take the banter on the chin or you can turn it around and say, well, okay, you know, how can I make more out of this? And I'm fortunate in a way because I work in an industry where as a consultant, I work for one of the big four consultancy firms. I know a lot of people. I have a wide network and I know a lot of people who work in financial services who will be very competitive by nature, who respect the distance of a marathon and will say, good on you for actually giving this a go and therefore be more willing to, to sponsor me. Yes, there'll be a few people who might go, well, you're never going to do that. Forget them, right? Because Mm -hmm. the vast majority of people said, this is amazing. I can't believe you're doing this. Congratulations for getting a space. And where do I sponsor you? And and what blew me away, Meg, was that I posted a £2,000 target on my Just Giving and sent out one email. And in 11 days, I hit my target. Wow, how special is that? And the confidence that gave me was like, wow. And then every hard run. I remember late January, I got in the car. It was a Friday night. I drove to Greenwich to the start line. It was minus two degrees. It was dark. There was snow on the ground. I was thinking, what am I doing? And I need to do a 12K run on a Friday night when all my mates are out, you know, in the pub, whatever. I thought, actually, it's the money that I've raised. I can't let all those people down. Yeah, they believe in you. And that is the one thing that you can get from the community is an affirmation of your self-belief. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of people lose that self-belief. And I think whether it's my job or it's not, or I I feel I have a duty to, to everybody on the team. To actually say, actually, no, you should believe in yourself because I believe in you because you're on this team. You contribute. Even if your contribution is a like on somebody else's posts, that's the community coming together to support each other. And that stuff is is just golden. Yes, everyone has something to bring to the table. David Yim, you are a wonderful human and I would love for more people to experience that positive energy and follow your fundraising efforts. So how can they do this? Where can they find you? Just on Just Giving. I think, I, you know, I have one platform. I tend to post a lot on the Click Sergeant Facebook page because that's the, the team page. But actually on my fundraising page on Just Giving, I set up a new page every year. I think it's David Yim 2020. I give snippets of my training and what I'm going through at the moment and I post regular updates on there. So you'll always find me on Just Giving, which is the platform that I use for fundraising. Perfect. And 2020 has been an interesting year in terms of a lot of events having to be postponed. Do you have any upcoming events in 2021 that people should look out for? I just want to keep healthy and fit and 
I feel like there's an arm twisting going on with some teammates, mainly the captain. <laughs> oh, I believe it. I've got the big half coming up in April next year. I've got the Landmarks half, which I'm running for Click Sergeant, which is why my new vest has just arrived. Amazing. And then we, I think, well, I find out in a week's time whether or not I've got a 2021 deferred marathon place. If I get that, then I can then apply for a 2021 marathon place mm-hmm. in April to raise even more money. But I also then got inspired. And I'll tell you why this is, you're going <laughs> to smile at this. I saw your photo on the Berlin Marathon. Page, Here we go. And I went, hang on a minute. I could get a Click Sergeant charity place for Berlin. So I clicked on the button and your face appeared. And I thought, oh, that's, really? that's, yeah, that's giving me a sign. There's a picture of you at the event. And so I posted on our personal Click Sergeant page. Meg's appeared on the Click Sergeant page. And, and one of the team was like, so Yumi, are you signing up? And then Jay's come on with a get involved, Yumi. <laughs> I've gone, ooh, hang on a minute. If I look at the date of the Berlin Marathon next year, it happens a week before the London Marathon. Oh, wow, if I get a yeah. London Marathon place. Mm-hmm. So that would be back-to-back marathons, which I'm sort of umming and ahhing about. And, you know, and this is where inspiration comes. So the captain then says, well, you know what? If I get London, I'm doing Tokyo, Manchester, Brighton, and London on four consecutive weekends. Suddenly, back-to-back marathons on back-to-back weekends doesn't seem so hard when somebody's doing four yeah so there's always somebody who's going to outrun you or do something crazier than you will do but if it inspires you to do something more than you would have done then that's got to be awesome. a great thing. yeah I think I'm in a similar position this upcoming year things keep getting deferred and all of a sudden I've got three marathons close together already so 2021 is looking to be quite a busy year for running And ah, Yumi, you are a gem. Thank you for the positive energy that you bring to others. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for coming on the podcast. And thank you for being my kind of person. It's an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Meg, for having me on. It's been great to be part of your unity. You are so welcome. Keep on running, my friend. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of My Kind of People. I hope you felt the positive energy from this week's guest. If this episode was of value to you, then please rate, review and subscribe. It's so greatly appreciated. Thanks again.